Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emmett Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit kalukisportsbook.com to sign up now. Recording on a Sunday for a change alongside Mr. Rory DeLarge. Hello there. And welcome along to the show, my man, uh, as we look back on the weekend that was and possible impacts for Cheltenham, starting with Knight Salute, who's definitely a triumphant player now. Uh, he's been very impressive all season and uh, continued that with taking the Adonis hurdle at Kempton. Although we did say in the preview show, I made the point that it hasn't really had an impact on the Triumph Hurdle in the last 10 years. But can Knight Salute lay down the gauntlet to the Irish Challenge? Because um, I thought this was really taking. Yeah, it was, an, it was a nice performance. It would have been very close between Knight Salute and Teddy Blue um, had Teddy Blue seen a stride at the last. Yeah. Um, and the runner-up, he traded sixes on coming to that last hurdle because he was making ground hand over fist. But the thing about Knight Salute is he's just utterly reliable. Um, you know that he's going to put in a jump when he needs that. You know he's going to battle when he needs it as well. So it's far from would have been far from over. Teddy Blue lost a lot of momentum. It wasn't just a mistake. He, he lost his back legs trying to come away from the hurdle as well, and um, did well to to finish just over three lengths behind the winner. This isn't really triumph hurdle winning form again. The, the question we had going into the race uh, was whether there was something interesting lurking among the newcomers, and frankly, they were dreadful. They yeah. were absolutely oh. hopeless. Brutal. Um, a pleasant man pulled up as if he had a bit of, you know, he travelled okay in the early stages. He looked like he would be a, a player, but he stopped very quickly. Um, the famous five was the first horse beaten for a horse that cost 250 grand on the flat. You'd like to see a little bit more than that first time. And Rubo um, just looked like he was gaining experience, to be honest. Uh, went Went very wide. Ended up being beaten quite a long way into into eight, but he did the best of the newcomers, and that's a that's not a, a great sign given this is the race that Paul Nichols has used um, time and again to introduce a um, a potentially top notch juvenile, and um, it's very much not the case here. So there's nothing coming out of the woodwork for the triumph. Um, so anyone who's back to form horses would be very happy to see the results. Knight Salute is a is a an each way player. Um, but the balance of his form gives him a bit to find. And the thing about him, he's, he's such a likable horse. But, you know, if you're standing by the parade ring on Friday looking at these going round, um, again, he is very much not going to catch your eye. Uh, he, he doesn't look like a, um, like a prospective hurdler. Definitely doesn't look like a, like a, um, a chaser down the line. He is he's very much what he is. He's, um, he's small, but he's well-formed and he's a trier. Um, and he's going to, um, to to put us all into the triumph, but the chances are that it's not going to be enough looking at the uh, at the form that the um, 
that the leading contenders have shown and the, the, the prospect for improvement um, that they have. Uh, whereas he's gradually raised his game just through experience. Um, but it's not like he's gonna, he, he can't really physically take a big step forward at this stage. But I don't want to knock him because he's been such a star for Milton Harris. Yeah. Um, and every time he runs, uh, people are always looking for something to beat him, expecting him to, to meet his match. And he keeps putting out of him more and winning. So uh, you have to take your hat off to him. He's been an absolute um, uh, star for the Milton Harris yard this season. And even if he does bomb out in the triumph hurdle or you know, finishes a, uh, a respectable fourth or whatever it happens to be, uh, he's done himself proud this season, and um, no doubt he'll uh, he'll win more races as well. I'd imagine he'll win races back on the flat as well, and Milton will be happy enough to take advantage of that. The irony was this was actually the race where he was supported because we were making the point on Thursday that in every other race he's been taken on. Like he was yeah. eighteen to one, obviously at Sedgefield with Udima. I'm expecting a quicker response than that, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Rory deems it a dog track. <laughs> um, hi Sedgefield uh, so then he's 9-2 at Kempton 9-2 again 4-1 to one. but he was very well backed for this and considering the fact that there were so many uh, interesting and exciting prospects coming from the flat who as Rory said were brutal each and every one of them were just awful they showed nothing um, so we'll have to wait and see what, what happens there I can see him I can see him being involved um I see no reason why he can't. I mean, be you, you, listen, you could draw a form line through through Mokodavasi if you want, um, and suggest that all the you know Mokodavasi was beaten nine lengths uh, by Pied Piper at last time. If you think Mokodavasi has run to the same level in this race, which is possible because you know, as we said that after that um, triumph hurdle trial at Shelton, it it did look like it fell apart quite badly. Yep. If you think he's run to the same form, then you know, nice Lewis beat him a lot further here. Um, what's that? Over 20 lengths. 20 lengths back, yeah. Uh, compared to the nine lengths of Pied Piper beaten. But I think, A, I, I think Mocha Devasi had the run of things at Cheltenham, if you like when I say the run of things. He was able to run through beaten horses and, and, and was probably flattered by where he finished to a, group, to a degree. Uh, maybe maybe well suited by the, the stiff track at Cheltenham. Didn't look quite the same horse here, although he was, you know, he ran respectably. Uh, and the other aspect, of course, was, was just how much Pied Piper had in hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then again, you know, maybe we're still underestimating Night Salute because he keeps finding when push comes to shove. Um, and, and maybe, you know, we've seen it before. Tough little horses come in to try and hurdle. Yeah. No, they, they most certainly can. And we made examples like Catch It being one. He's a tiny little horse who managed to get the job done. But uh, he's 14th, but really he's 10s. vast majority of firms have gone 10s about him now. Um and then it's you have to make your own mind up and look, we'll be talking about it in more detail in the coming weeks, including with Dennis O'Regan, uh, about Vaughan, Pied Piper, and Phil Dore, and a horse that I really like, uh, Ella Tom, who um, Darren beat me to uh, on the podcast and giving him a big mention. I thought that was a, a fantastic run at the Dublin Racing Festival on his debut. Uh, Paul Nichols is a winner. <gasps> what? Uh, Pictori goes and wins for uh, Paul Nichols in the Carl Pendle Novices Chase. Uh, Manila Drama was a bit disappointing here. Um, but Nichols back in the winner's enclosure. He's had a couple of winners. So he's also had Mon Morale run a brutal race, but he had two winners uh, today, Fontwell and, uh, and Hereford. Um, so he's starting to show a little bit of a, a turn in form. And... Um, this is a meeting he does traditionally well at. Uh, holds on by a length to win. What did you make of the performance? Uh, I thought he was very game. 
I'm not a massive fan of Pick Dory. Um, he's got plenty of ability, but I don't think he's quite won the races he should have based on that ability that he has. Um, he, he did, of course, win the Betfair Hurdle a couple of years ago. I thought he rather, um, that was rather a blanket finish. And, um, maybe a little bit was a little bit too much was expected about more fences in the first place, but um, he's won he's won two Grade Two races now in his last two starts. Um, interesting. I, I, I thought he'd be an odds on shot for this. Um, and we talked about this during the week. I thought, well, you know, he's got the best form in the race, but he didn't show it last time out. The yard's not always firing. People will, will pile into him because Paul Nichols won this race 11 times for the last 15 years, whatever it was. And this was his 12th win in the race. And I thought, you know, all the stats guys are going to look at that and go, well, stop, stop your search for the winner. This is the one to be on. And I thought they'd be they'd pile into him. They sent off third favourite in the end. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's because, you know, you're two, two reasonably fancy horses in the previous race who ran badly. Uh, people are again asking questions about the form of the yard. Um, but Pictori um, was, he didn't appear to have an awful lot in hand in the race, but he kept finding, and he, two or three times in the race, he needed a big jump um, to stay in contention, particularly at the last. Uh, he really saw a long stride at the last. Harry Cobden committed to him. If he didn't see that stride, he wouldn't have won the race. Um, but doing so, just given the better of Miller's Bank, who travelled very well in behind him throughout the race, got the run of things uh, with Manila Drama and Pictori um, essentially disputing. Fantastic lady on the outside, pressing them. Miller's Bank got the run of the race um, on the inside, um, jumped better than he has done. Uh, and he looked the likeliest winner between the last two fences. But, but uh, Harry Cobden saw a stride through his horse at the fence. And Pictori, to his credit, really came up. And he came up several times during the race. So you have to give him full credit for, for doing that. Uh, he's, he is, as we've seen with the way the way he's been in, in grade one coming last time out, he is purely a, a grade two horse that would appear. Mm-hmm. And it's a case of finding the right opportunities for him. Um, he's effective left and right-handed. I don't think he wants to grind too deep. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, Paul Nichols just find the right race for him. But, it, you know, the temptation might be to go back up to grade one company after this, given he's given uh, weight to the second and third. Um, but I, d- I don't think he's up to that level. But there are lots of decent opportunities and, f- and a fair bit of um, of good prize money um, for grade two chasers. So no doubt Paul will find um, find the opportunities for, for Big Dorian. You know, again, the, the fact that um, uh, he's fully effective for two and a half miles gives him a little bit of scope. Uh, I'd, I'd have thought something like the Oaksy chase at the end of the season. Um, would be a would be one of the, the better targets for him. He is he is a second season chaser, although he's still a novice. Um, so he's got he's got options there. He can, he, there's no reason why he can't take on um, all comers, except obviously those races are tougher. Um, but as I said, the Oaksy tends to be a pretty um, a pretty poorly contested race in terms of numbers. So they may have that in mind, but they may just go down the novice route with him. But as I said, it, it makes a lot more sense for him to uh, to go grade two than than trying to take on the very best. Yeah, small field, but listen, he travels very strongly and you would think entry would suit him as a possible as well, maybe air. Uh, we'll see, but he's not in anything at Cheltenham. And yeah, I th- in fairness, I think um, Harry Cobden mentioned that the future champions, um, loves his chase up at, up at air at the Scottish National Meeting, um, is a race that would, would, would you know probably fit him quite nicely. Yeah, I thought that would be the right. I wasn't aware he said that, but I thought that would be... A good fit for him. Um, Ark and Risk beats. Shall we have one more? Uh, so the six to four favorite. Well, we, we kind of knew something was up when he hit two to one. Uh, no, he, so I, I disagree. I disagree. There's nothing up at all. Talk just, to me. Talk to he, me. He was. Uh, we mentioned this during the week. He was. He was put in a very short price, given what he'd achieved. 
he ended up meeting no opposition on his previous start at Sandham where he was able to make all the running. Um, and his price was more about perceived weakness than the opposition. He didn't, he didn't have the best form in the race. Shall we have one more coming into this? Open risk of the best form in the race. Um, and shall we have one more drifted out to, to the correct price and then was, and then was punted late. Um, and I think, you know, what, a few people were like, oh, I can't believe he's drifted this price. I, c- I couldn't believe he was evens in the first place. I thought he should have been put in around seven to four, two to one in the first instance. Um, and he's run a very good race. Uh, slightly surprised, although there was a fair degree of pace on here. A little bit surprised that they didn't go forward with him again and try to lead because I think he settled better in front at sound time. And I think he's got a big enough engine that they could have um, they could have done that again. And he just fought Josh a little bit in the early stages, which didn't help his finishing effort. He loomed up as if he was going to win at one stage. But Auckland Risk was always well placed, always travelling well, and, and just kept finding. Uh, so shall we have more? Shall we have one more? Couldn't get past. Um, that's a perfectly reasonable result. It's exactly what you would expect in terms of of what these two had achieved before that. Chris Gordon has won this race before with a horse who'd run in the same races as Open Risk. So he was plotting a very familiar path. Uh, and although Open Risk had come from handicaps, he'd been very impressive um, at Wincanton last time. Three of these had run and won at Wincanton, and he was by far the most impressive. Uh, interesting, one of the others was the uh, Lord Desaissance, um, who's run a cracker here to be third at 40 to one. He's a really good long-term prospect. I thought he might just find um, this trip around Kempton, um, getting him on his head a little bit. His jumping wasn't brilliant early on at Wincanton. Um, Nigel Hawks gelding, but he's got size about him. He'll actually jump a fence sooner rather than later. And I thought it was a really promising run for him to uh, to run past horses. It also gives you an idea of how weak this was generally. This wasn't a strong contest. Um, Shall we have one more? He's got plenty of talent. He hasn't quite um, hasn't quite channeled it correctly yet. I think they they may get a bit more out of him. And again, as I said, I think. I think just letting him swing along is going to be the way to to um, to help him settle and, and produce more of the bridle at the end of his races. Uh, and um, ICO, he ran an odd race in that he looked he looked beaten all ends up at halfway, um, and he's ended up plugging on again to be fourth. But I, I know that Paul Nichols has you know basically has him down as long term three mile chaser, um, who's you know obviously done all that all that homework to be able to run in races over hurdles this season, but he sees this very much as a, um, as a season where he's setting down uh, markers, um, learning about the game, uh, and at least, you know, he's immature and he's young and he will, he will need another year or two to come to himself. He'll probably go chasing next season, I see. Um, and he's a little bit, um, he's a bit like a poor man's clan de Zobo. I think he's that is that I think that's the mold that Paul Nichols sees him in. Not necessarily that that class, but he made exactly the same comments about Clanders Oval as a juvenile. Um that, you know, he, he's obviously talented and he was quite fancy for the for the triumph hurdle. Um, but it's gonna be what he ends up doing two years down the line, three years down the line over fences, um, that you can judge him on rather than his juvenile hurdle form. And I see was probably in that kind of that that kind of mold. He needs to grow, he needs to strengthen. Um He's not as he's not as impressive looking as Clanders um, Oval was at that at that age, but he showed tons of ability on that um, debut at Kempton, um, and that's what they want to harness down the line. Makes sense, makes sense to me. Um, I could see shall we have one more turning up for a handicap at Cheltenham, but he's going to need to brush up in his jumping. 
and, uh, and put that to one side. Uh, we'll move on to the Carl Trophy handicap chase over three miles. Somebody predicted a massive weekend for Christian Williams and put up Kitty's Light at 25 to 1. Damn you, Captain Nord, for Christian Williams. Uh, why didn't we do the reverse forecast? It paid 100 to 1. Maybe, maybe we did. Maybe we did. No, we didn't. No. Um, I, 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 did, I did have a saver with Captain Nord. Uh, and about Kitty's Light, each way 25s. Um, and I had a win only bet in Captain Nord. So I was sitting pretty for for, um, for much of this. Not that Captain Nord won me, uh, won me a lot of money, but. Um, See if he put my foot through the TV at least. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this so this is the first of a big race double on the weekend for Christian Williams. Um, he'd been fifth in the race last year. It was, it was actually the it was actually the second of a of a big race double. Uh, that's true, actually. Yes, um, I'm just going in reverse order because Newcastle yeah. comes next. Uh, so he was fifth in this race last year off a 15 point hour higher mark, and he's taken full advantage of the drop in the handicap. Yeah, I mean he's. Um, he had conditions to suit here. Uh, this is this you know race we looked at, and, and um, you could have made a case for virtually anything in the race. You just needed to get the the breaks. And Jack Tudor was very brave the way he rode Captain North. Um, he didn't um, he didn't waste any time in the air. He didn't waste any ground. Um, taking the the route towards the inner uh, Kitty's Light. On the other hand, uh, I thought it was given a very good ride by Brian Hughes, but. Um, the way he was brought into the race, um, he, he wouldn't have been comfortable with the same ride because he'd have been he'd have been getting squeezed out by horses who are a little bit faster than him. Um, so Brian Hughes did the right thing and rode him rode him from the back and made up ground where he could to latch onto them. And then the idea from from the um, the second circuit was just to start picking off the stragglers, um, getting himself into position, making sure nothing was falling back onto his lap. And he did that really well. And I thought between the last two fences he was going to win it, but Captain Orr kept on really well. Um, to give Christian a, a tremendous um, exacta um, on the day with uh, our power back in third, um, yeah, it was a it was a very enjoyable contest to watch. Um, obviously, smaller field than normal, but everything came into it with with some kind of chance on paper. Um, the the market leaders were the most disappointing. Uh, Phoenix Way we lost pretty early. Uh, he was well punted into favoritism, uh, and Anne Sam uh, made a couple of bad early mistakes put him in the back but he did manage to get himself back into it um, beyond halfway but um, unsurprisingly the efforts to be pulled up and people are still backing Zanza for some reason Oh, why would you want to be doing that I don't I honestly don't know and indeed the big breakaway I know that um, uh, I, I ceded to my uh, to my colleague Mr Massey on the Sporting Life front on, on Saturday and he was he was keen on the big breakaway but he was he just looks like he hates fences doesn't he he was very leery yeah, and getting uh, heavy reminders before halfway. Um, obviously, he came into the race in decent form. Yard was in good form. Um, conditions should have been ideal for him. But he just didn't enjoy himself. He was also pulled up. The hype and, was so uh, real with him. It's just a, he's another example of one of those horses that just because they cost a fortune, it does not mean they're going to live up to that potential. Well, he's a, yeah, he's one of those horses. I, I reckon if you'd um, there's two ways you can you can um, treat a horse at like the big breakaway. They're good enough because because they come through the point of points and they're 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 forward and they're ready. You can press on early and win races with them. Or what you can do is basically say, right, you're a you're a really big gawky chaser who needs time to strengthen up, and you give them a you give them a um, a fairly light program or a lot of time off, and then you look to to bring them back gradually. 
and hope that they, they retain their form. Unfortunately, if you press on early, you've got more chance of success, but you've got less chance of, um, of a long-term career. Mm. Yeah, fully echo that. Um, Kitty's Light still well-treated enough to be fancied for maybe the Bet365? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll say that the Bet365 is, is not a race. As someone said to me, and that's a fair point to me, um, about, I, I said I, I fancy Kitty's Light for this because I, I think they'll probably just be looking to what to give them a prep for the Bet365. It's worth about half the money for this race, this race is. That's a good point. It's, it's no lo- it is no longer the race of course. It is no longer worth talking about. You've got some, you know, you've got the Irish National, the Grand National, the Scottish National at that time of the year. And the one race that's worth pennies in the grand scheme of things is, is what was the Whitbread Gold Cup, which used to be the second richest race um, of the season. Yeah. I think it was richer than, richer than the Gold Cup um, when it first came along and second only at the Grand National. So um, I'd have to check that was the, Hen- the Hennessy was obviously well endowed as well. But that's, you know, that's, that's why that was such a great race because the top class horses ran in it because the race was worth as much as the gold, worth more than the Gold Cup. Um, and therefore you made it an automatic um, plan to go there. Now it's, it's just, it's just a Saturday handicap race. It's nothing more than that, which is a shame, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, it really but is. But yes, I will say Kitty's Light again. I mean, you know, he stays really well. He wants, he doesn't want particularly soft ground. Um, yeah, the tricky thing with him is over 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 um, uh, shorter trips. He needs soft ground just to to slow everything down. Um, but he doesn't particularly enjoy it himself. Uh, what he really wants is a proper test of stamina um, and a big field where they'll go a good lick, and then he can be pulling them back in again. So yes, that Sandown race suits him because it's it's three mile five. It tends to be run on on goodish goodish ground, which all suits. Um, and he's capable of winning another one of those. I say another one of those. He went very close last year, but he was he was um, unlucky last year. He was very unlucky. Yes, he should have won it last year, quite frankly. Um, and he's you know he's still only six. Um, he's not the um, he's not the, obviously he, again he wouldn't be the most physically impressive in this race. He's a flat red, um, but his jumping um, is is pretty brave. Again, you know he doesn't have the same scope as some of these, and he's inclined to get in tight to his fences, but. It doesn't put him off, and he does he does try, and that's that's the most important thing. So he's never going to be a grand national horse, for example, um, and he doesn't want to be jumping out of hog deep ground um, because that, that you know puts a lot of, of pressure on his um, his ability to to, to jump. Um, but um, races around three and a half miles on, on good ground um, with a decent pace will uh, will always see him in a decent light. So yeah, it may, it may well be Sandown again. Um, it would be nice to see that race get a bit of an injection, but I'm not sure it's going to make a huge difference when you consider, you know, the Irish National has has, um, has really taken off in terms of prize money uh, in the last few years. And, you know, if you if, if it's prize money you're after, then you might as well book a ticket to, to Ferry House yep. rather than going to Sandown. 100%. Uh, the big race double then would begin actually at Newcastle in the Vertum Eider handicap chase where Win My Wings Gets the job done for Christian Williams, Ryan Mania on board, uh, holding off Emma Lavelle and Tom Bellamy's Eclair Surf. Um, very game performance, uh, very much suited by stepping up in trip on only her seventh start over fences. Yeah, she's um, she's improving at a, at the age of nine. Is uh, is win my wings? This is this is a step up in terms of class, and uh, she had she coped well with the grind given that. Um, 
her previous win had come on, on heavy ground um, at Exeter um, of uh, a mark of, of 129. Um, that, was a, that was a very scrappy affair. She didn't do up much in the weights for it, uh, only winning half a length. And she did a big price in running there, but she travelled quite sweetly, I thought, throughout the race at, uh, at Newcastle. She seemed to be, again, it's a similar sort of story, I suppose. She's not the biggest in the world. Um, and heavy ground helps slow the others down and give her a chance. But I don't think she particularly likes heavy ground. I think it's just one of those, it's a, it's a bit of a necessity to, to, to keep her in the contest. Although she's, you know, um, she was, interestingly, they, they took her to France and she won a race over, over two and a quarter miles at Compiègne on heavy ground. Um, but her her best uh, run last season was um, on good ground at Cheltenham over three and a quarter miles of the Gold Cup trip in a mare's handicap chase. And she's, she's um, after a couple of disappointments in the winter when, when the yard wasn't really flying, um, she's really got back and tried the last twice. Um, and I think the fact that she won on heavy kind of gives a lie to the notion that she wants it. Cheek pieces on for the first time, um, back on goodish ground. I thought she always looked happy. Um, the trip clearly a, a key to her. She showed last season she stayed at three and a quarter thoroughly. Um, and the, the step up to marathon trips um, saw her in a decent light. And also, listen, it's, it's very important to point out that the yard suddenly, the horse is suddenly coming back to form and running really well. Uh, was the perfect spot for her, you know. It's not easy getting horses right for big races. Um, Christian Williams must have been absolutely delighted that his horses um, all started to come to, to, to form at just the right time. Um, and this is, um, Sue Howell will be one of one of Christian's um, um, bigger owners, I suppose, and not, not that Sue Howell is, is you know, flashing the cash and spending absolute fortunes, but there were two, two horses in, in uh, the same colours who, went very close, one winner and one second um, during the week um, to, to show that Christian's horses were running well. And when my wing says Sam has got the job done here, she, you know, she has limited um, scope for further progress. Um, you know, this, as I said, this is a very good spot for a one-off, one-three-two. Because this was the Ider, she probably did have a little bit more than she should do for, for winning by less than two lengths. Um, and, you know, in... <laughs> Not 140, not 145 company. She's going to find it a fair bit more difficult, but I don't think I don't think anyone minds that. She's got the job done. Uh, I imagine her owner will be keen to breed from her down the line as well. Um, she's won the big televised uh, race and put out the best performance of her life. She's got a lovely pedigree uh, for staying chaser as well, so she'd be a, a useful broodmare to have. Um, the Eclair Surf um, helps uh, make the form believable. Uh, he was coming off a career best from winning the, uh, the classic chase at Warwick. Um, and he's um, he's very much backed that up. I was slightly concerned that he might be taken out of his comfort zone by by having other horses around him. Um, whereas I think what worked really well for him at Warwick was he got loose and he got a very good ride uh, from Tom Bellamy that day. who's um, He's just stolen a few lengths coming down the hill um, to the back straight on both circuits at Warwick. And I thought he... he I wouldn't say stole the race because, you know, they end up being well, well strung out. But I think it's suited to their surf really well, who can be an iffy jumper. He, he tends to make at least one bad mistake every race, which is why Emma Lavelle is not talking about going to the Grand National with him. I just think entry will suit him because you make one bad mistake at the entry and that's generally you out of it. Um, but uh, this, was, this was really promising from him that he was able to back up that good run at Warwick um, and keep mistakes to the minimum as well. Behind that is largely your, your run-of-the-mill staying handicapped chase. 
uh, with the likes of Inishri Lad. Uh, Courtmaster didn't quite stay. I thought he shaped really well, but he, I don't think he wants a, um, a real um, test of stamina. Uh, but he jumped and travelled well for a long way and then just got tired from the, from the second or third last. Uh, Gwen Stilly Burbas looked a threat uh, coming into the straight again. Um, mistake of the last um, stopped him getting fourth, I think. Um, but he ran a decent race. And then in behind, you've got, you got the usual suspects plugging away into places there. The fact that um, the going was, was just on the soft side of good meant we saw a lot of finishers, 14 finishers in the end, and a field of, of 16. And the one disappointment, well, the two, well, one disappointment. I'm sure Pat Fahey was disappointed with History of Fashion, who um, who unseated early in the race. Um, yeah. He went off at a six, a six to one, so that was a, that was a disappointment for connections. Uh, but Daniel O'Derry, um, who was well supported, I mentioned him in the run up to this, but I, I thought he'd be a good price, and he was, he was you know, one of the favourites for it, given he was only three runs ago, he was rated 35. Um, that was a big step up for him. Um, this was the fastest ground he's raced on as well. He didn't like it and he finished Liam. So I'm hoping that he's he's um, not too badly affected by that. He really would have, it would have made a lot more sense for, for him to be running in a, a race like this on, on heavy ground, which he closed with very well and looks like a thorough stare. Um, but yeah, the fact that he finished Liam is, is a worry. And um, but we'll see where um, where he goes from here and how quickly he's able to come back from that. But that was disappointing. If you were looking for a boost in Nicky Henderson's form, you didn't get it. He didn't have a runner today, Sunday, and he won't have runners again until Wednesday. Um, you can make the argument that, well, he wasn't really throwing out his big guns, but he had a 4-1 to favourite who was pretty well held. Um, and again, uh, he had a 6-1 to shot who was uh, well held, and he's had horses who were pulled up and... Like impulsive one was beaten twenty six lengths in the end at seven to two. Um, Brave Eagle was a, an outsider, but was beaten forty seven lengths. Um, Farouk de Chineau ends up being pulled up as well. Uh, there's an alarming amount when you start going through the form of his horses. There's an alarming amount of them have been pulled up in in yeah five, five five of his last um, uh, nine runners of the last uh, two days have either been pulled up or tilled off. Eight mm. in the last two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's worrying. You know, it, it's worth pointing out a lot of those. A lot of those are horses who'd appear to lose their way anyway. Yeah, um, that is true. And is true. Um, yeah, you wouldn't individually. You wouldn't read enough thought into it. When you put them together as a group, it does look a little bit worried. I mean, you know, Neil the Legend, he was coming off a, a pulled up effort and he pulled up again, and his his record's very very patchy. Brave Eagles just go on at the game. Yeah. Um. You know, normally you'd have had him in as being very interested on, on quickish ground in the Eider, but his form has just taken a massive nosedive in the last season. Um. So yeah, you can you can look at those and say well, you wouldn't really fast. And Father Job was a big outsider. Um. In a handicap hurdle at, at Exeter, in fact, he, he should have been twice the price that he was. Um. And he ran accordingly. Was in trouble a long way out. Um. So yeah, individually those results make sense, but you'd still be slightly concerned if you were punting the yard. And Dan Skelton the same. Yes, phlegmatic one, but there were plenty of horses who were pretty well held again. Um, another horse pulled Including, in, and we might as well move on to, to Fontwell and Sunday if we're, if we're yeah. Um, yeah. discussing that. This is one, one race in particular that, um, that makes a lot of sense. Huh? Yeah, so you want to lead a what? You want to lead off? Yeah, the um, the uh, National Spirit Hurdle was the uh, was the big race of the day on, on Fontwell's big day of the year. 
And when you're looking for the uh, for the picture to become clearer for the leading UK hurdlers, um, you're not really expecting a race in which Botox has um, wins. But it was a great result for the for the Moore family. I think they had a four timer on the day. Yep, they did. Um, and uh, Josh Moore, who was who took a very bad fall from Botox Ass earlier in the season, and uh, needed that um, uh, that spinal surgery, which he had to wait for as well. Uh, it was great to see him and that horse um, get the big um, win, the big race of the season at their local track as well. Um, tremendous ride, tremendous attitude from the winner as well. Headed and looked beaten um, on the run in, um, but fought back to win by head. And it's, it's worth pointing out, I thought Josh gave him a tremendous ride. He's ridden him in behind and he's come to sort of swept past them um, to get to the lead um, in the straight uh, with a move that looked briefly looped decisive, then Bruno up a storm, um, got himself back in front and Botox has had to really battle against the far rail there, uh, which isn't always the, the ideal place to be. Um, and has won it by a head with Guard Your Dreams, um, a decent third, that, but the form makes a lot of sense. Guard Your Dreams, of course, has been running in, in all the grade two hurdles um, this season since the Ascot hurdle really onwards and won the international. Um, and he was back to form here after being a little bit disappointed over two miles at Sandown uh, behind Goshen. But really disappointing runs uh, from Mon Miral. Now, Mon Miral travelled best of all. I think he, he must have traded odds on on the race as well. Travelled very well, found he absolutely zip off the bridle. Um, Darver Star um, came over for, for Gavin Crummell. Now, Gavin Crummell's another yard whose, whose horses are not running as well as the as, as you would expect. Yeah. Well um, he's not and, getting and the the market would suggest either. And he sent a couple over. Um, the, the one the one in the opening race ran, ran well enough. Railway um, Hurricane finished second. Yeah, still. finished second. And um, so the bit Darby Star was off the bridle a long way out. He's he's a just a hard horse to get a handle on these days, and he falls between two stools, both in terms of trip and in terms of pass as well. And all mankind, who was making a slightly surprising reappearance um, over hurdles, given what his his um, spring targets will be, I thought he would run well, but he was bitterly disappointing. He was beaten miles from home and pulled up on the end. Um, so that's a big concern for the Dan Skelton Yard. Um, all mankind. Um, as a horse, he's you know deliberately kept fresh for uh, for injury, looking to miss out Cheltenham. But you'd like to think when he brings him out for a race like this, that he would at least show plenty of spark. Um, but that was that was bitterly disappointing, disappointing from all mankind. And you'd be a little um, a little concerned to say the very least. Yeah, a hundred percent. Growing up a storm has run a very very game race has just held. Uh, brilliant for Josh Moore. It was seriously a risk that man might never walk again. He did an interview with Lee McKenzie on TalkSport 2, uh, which we played out a couple of weeks ago, and it, it was a brutal fall. So to be back on him and to give him such a confident ride, it's terrific for the Moore family, and um, well done to all of them. Um, but again, the Paul Nichols stable not exactly advertising their <laughs> form there. Yes, I know they had winners, but... That's brutally disappointing. Dan Skelton, uh, not exactly advertising the form. And Gavin Cromwell is a really interesting one to highlight as well. Um, and I'm glad that you did because Gavin's going to have uh, horses that you would be interested in for Cheltenham, particularly the likes of Vanillier, uh, who I'm a massive fan of for the uh, the National Hunt Chase, um, as we're supposed to call it now. But they're not just getting beaten, they're getting thumped. Like, Darvish Star gave Bruno up a storm at race. 
last time out. Here he just drops away. And um, you go down through the list of his runners. Yes, Railway Hurricane has run a fine race in a four-runner race to finish second, beaten two and a quarter lengths. But you've and of course, the horse behind him, Paul Nichols, is so, you know... Yeah, there's the another... Is how, what, how much do you read into that? And, and the, the, the fourth was a million-to-one shot. Yeah, which is a very good point, because then how disappointing are the Nichols horses running and how disappointing are these Cromwell horses running? But they're not just getting beaten. They're getting beaten 48 lengths, 46 lengths, 52 lengths, 22. It's not good. And, and Cheltenham is coming it's just around the corner so you want your trainers to be particularly if you're supporting um big name trainers or you've got a a target in mind you want the horses to be running well and these trainers you have to have a a red flag beside their name right now uh yeah i'm just i'll say what i'm doing i'm looking at um Gavin Cromwell's record last season because it, it seems to me that Gavin turned up at Cheltenham with his horses struggling for form as well. And I can tell you that since Christmas last year, as in the year before, last season, he had 61 runners in Ireland in January and February 2021 and two winners. And then he went on to grab a couple of winners at the Cheltenham Festival. There is hope. I might have put more. There is hope. So, you know, maybe, um, you know, the time you want to start looking at stable form is uh, is the first, first or second week in March okay. rather than uh, rather than January and February. Yeah. Um, similar thing, I don't, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think uh, Henry Bromhead was, was firing in too many winners until he got to Cheltenham last season either. Mm. So. And then he ends up shattering all records, but March Indeed. is literally Tuesday. So yes, there there is that, but but that's have... the thing, you know. Look at the, these yards here who are who appear to be out of form, uh, and the key there. I mean, as, as I said, we had Christian Williams coming into the weekend with a couple of horses who were who hadn't shown an awful lot, um, suddenly improving during the week. Um, you know, a couple of winners on the board, and you think, oh, hold on a second, this yard is just beginning to fire again. And sometimes it just takes. Um, it, it's hard to put your finger on what it is that's wrong, but it's remarkably easy to fix. Um, and it's rarely that the horses are desperately sick. It's just, you, know, you speak to most trainers who are, who are going through bar and patches and they'll say, I, you know, I can't put my finger on it. They, they seem really healthy. I wouldn't be sending them out to run unless I thought they were well. They look terrific. They're just not winning races. And then they'll do something slightly different and suddenly, boom. Mm. Can't stop the winners. Um, no, that's a, a very good point. And we need to bear that in mind as we build to the uh, to the Cheltenham Festival. Um, but On the subject of Henry Bonhead being out of form. Captain Guinness. Captain Guinness wins the first um, at uh, Ness and then Gabby's Cross uh, wins at 22 to 1 in the second race mm. to give uh, Henry and Rachel a double. So, so all seems to be coming right at the right time for Henry. So they changed tactics with him because you'd expect him to be ridden prominently but Rachel dropped him in. And um, uh, Cashback had come back to form and in the end runs out quite a comfortable victory. Yeah, I mean, I was, he was, um, he's going to fight for a favour in the end, but you could, you could have backed him at a, um, um, at a fair, fair bit bigger, but Black Bull and, and Cashback are a pair of horses who struggle to win, don't they? Mm. And, they and they also struggle with their jumping. So it looks a very good opportunity for Captain Guinness. 
and he's um he's won it nicely. He hasn't you know he hasn't hasn't shown improved form particularly to win this. I wouldn't have said, um, but he was the best horse in the race on the ratings. I suppose you could argue that you know the fact that he was given seven pounds away uh, to Blackbone Cashback give the pair of them a, a chance, but they're just the, n- both of them looked really really promising at one stage. And neither of them have quite delivered on the promise that they um, um, that they promised to. Um, Black Bull tends to um, travel strongly in front and then fold late on, uh, and Cashback runs as if he can't see the fences. <laughs> yeah, as a rule, it was nice to see Cashback win over hurdles, and I know Denny likes him, but he just doesn't see his fences as, as uh, Mister Delargy. Eloquently put it. Um, Flame Bear wins at Nace for the Doyles. Um, was well back to do so. Uh, beats Meet and Greet. And um, Gordon's horse fell, but was very much held at that point. Um, Fame and Glories are, I think, a stallion that needs to be looked at when it comes to the Cheltenham Festival. We'll do a pedigree podcast, hopefully, leading up to Cheltenham. But what did you make of the Bet Victor Novice hurdle, grade two. Um, I think the winner is a, a really nice uh, prospect, although he's a seven-year-old already. Um, so he needs to be making hay while he can. But um, he caught the eye early in the season. There was that um, uh, slightly controversial race at, um, at Nace where there was a barging match between Jack Doyle and, and Paul Tynan. Um But he was impressive at Ferry House um, on his... Um, his previous start in the maiden hurdle, I thought he, I thought he travelled really well that day, um, and he's um, he's probably only had a run to the same form to win this grade too, um, in uh, in the style of a a horse who has who has some kind of big race and Cheltenham won't be his thing this year, obviously, and you know he's he's the fact that he's seven kind of limits his opportunities to to a degree, but he was. Um, he was always getting the better of, of Ador. Um, he faded into third in the end. And um, Yao, who fell too high, was, was beaten at the time. So Flimber has won this very much um, as he's entitled to. And I particularly like the way that he um, he hit the line. His, his jumping still needs a little bit of work. Um, he's he's okay, but not not breathtaking with his jumping. Um, but he was very strong at the finish, and he kept he kept galloping as well. Um, Gallant died really nicely, and he's a horse in, in good form. He, he's got a. I'd have thought he'd be up to winning a punch this time, or indeed Ferry House over over um, uh, over Easter, um, but he's he's a horse I'd imagine will be going chasing next season. Um, although he's got a rather, he's out of a dockside mare, so it's it's not. You wouldn't say that's a, a chasing pedigree, uh, pure and simple, but basically. Um, he, he's got uh, he's got a good blend of speed and stamina. Um, he doesn't need to step up in two miles, but the way he goes through his races suggests that he'll stay he'll stay two and a half. Um, but he just impresses me as a strong galloper, and I think he'll he'll make up into a good novice chaser next season. Yeah, and despite making a mess of the last, he still manages to win. Uh, Ferry House is on the agenda for him, and then they'll look at Punchestown. Uh, speaking of Ferry House, two races to look at from there. Um, we'll start with Ekar Alain. Uh, who wins the Grade 3 Juvenile Hurdle. This race was won by Burning Victory in 2020, who would go on to win the Triumph Hurdle, uh, and also by Gwenceli Burbas, 
in 2015, who um, stayed on really well to be fifth in Lander, scumbag each way, big price double for us. Um, with uh, uh, your Christian Williams horse and my David Pipe horse. Um, I don't think they were expecting four miles with the horse back then. Uh, Iker Allen, how impressed were you with him taking this grade three? He had he had tons in hand. So in that respect, it was pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> uh, the question is, um, he'll be he can be reassessed for this for the um, for the the Fred Winter, which doesn't leave him anywhere to hide really, as far as that goes. And I don't think this is this is really up to try and prove winning form by by a, a fair way. He's not. He wouldn't be outclassed ever. He's just not. He's just not smooth enough. His jumping was. Given that he wasn't under an awful lot of pressure, his jumping was was a little bit ragged, um, and um, he was <coughs> uh, he made he made a couple of mistakes. By the time he got to the last, he was he had the race in, in his pocket and was was geared down. He could have won by by at least fifteen lengths, uh, double the margin that he that he did win by. Uh, and clearly, he's a really nice prospect. But uh, the the positives with him are that he's not a four year old through and through. He is going to progress. He, he he looks like um he looks like a horse who will who will learn um with experience over hurdles and indeed um, has has scope to jump fences. Horses who don't jump particularly well over hurdles doesn't mean that they 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 won't have scope for for jumping bigger obstacles down the line. Um, a lot of juveniles won't because just because they're they're precocious and it's asking them to do something very different after they've had a um quite a lot of, of racing um in a different environment. Whereas um, Ikara then I think will uh, uh, will keep progressing. Um, I'm I'm not sure I'd be mad to take him to Cheltenham at all, and I don't think the handicap will make any mistakes with him. I don't think it's good enough for the triumph. It's just a case of whether whether connections think it's worth going there for the experience, or whether they just put him away and, and again take him to Conscious Town, or um, you know maybe take him to Liverpool. Um, who knows? He's There's not a huge amount of depth in the juvenile division, so if you if you, if you skip Cheltenham and uh, and go entry, then there might be uh, there might be opportunities there, and, and JP doesn't mind doing that. Um, yeah, listen, he was he was he was impressive enough, but impressive enough being, being much lower opposition, mm. um, much lesser opposition rather, and um, he will have much much stiffer tests um, in in Grade Two or Grade One company after this. He is going to Cheltenham. Um, and William Munn said, I just don't know for what race. Yeah. And he has never won the Boodles. William Munn. No, I mean, that's, that's the obvious one from it. It's, 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 it's a slightly strange, um, well, he has to, he had to run here. Did he have to run to qualify? I think so. Yeah. So that's, that's half the issue. You gotta, you gotta get the run in there to, uh, um, to qualify for the races. One race run in France was a, in a juvenile. Uh, bumper. So yes, yeah, so he needed he needed the run to actually qualify for the uh, for the boodles itself. But he needs to improve a fair bit to um, um, to defy the the kind of weight he's going to get there. You just get the impression there are a number of horses in that race who've been smuggled into it mm. um, and who wouldn't necessarily be fully exposed. Um, whereas that you know, in the handicap procedure, running in Grid One and Grid Three company, kind of knows kind of knows how good you might be. But you know, they've missed tricks before. Um, they might miss a trick with him, but I think it's unlikely. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's the obvious race for him. Um, 
But as I said, it's just a, just a case of whether you can argue that he'll somehow get under the radar. I can't see it. Yeah, Gaelic Warrior is currently the favourite for that race and has never run for William Mullins. And, he, and he's fours. It's a handicap hurdle at Cheltenham. Good luck to you. If you want to go and back him, good luck. Have fun. Uh, not for me. Um, I'd be more interested in something like Bellex One is going to be his first start for Paul Nichols uh, or HMS Seahorse for Paul Nolan. Um, but hey, you can find out who I fancy for the Boodles uh, at the first of all on the Final Front podcast, which is the priority, obviously, because um, we'll be doing a lot of Cheltenham content between now and then. But also uh, Monday, depending when you're listening to this, Monday we're at the the well in Moat for the Cheltenham Festival preview night. Johnny Ward is going to be there. Uh, Katie Young from Gordon Elliott is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, GAA legend, uh, the Buddha. Uh, the Buddha is going to be hosting, so looking forward to it. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, but I completely agree with Rory. I wouldn't have Iker Allen on my mind for Cheltenham. Um, he'll go, but he's not good enough to win the Triumph. And Willie doesn't win the Boodles. Until, of course, he does. And, uh, well, that's the thing, you know, making a list of, of races that Winnie Mullins can't win. Uh, can't win a Gold uh, Cup. Oh, rather, wait, he can. It's a rather thankless task. <laughs> yeah. Can't win a champion chase. Maybe he will. Uh, the Bobby Joe is the last race we'll look at. Um, although I, I would say that if you want to look at the ride of the day, just go look at Jamie Codd's ride in the bumper today in the last on Sunday. It's absolutely a thing of... Oh, magnificence. Uh, Burrow Saint was sent off a very short price favourite. That horse has just gone... Oof, it's become very disappointing. Um, was fourth in the Grand National, uh, but was beaten 42 lengths here. Um, four lengths behind album photo on New Year's Day, so it doesn't do a whole lot of uh, good for that form. Uh, Ascara 10 is a horse I, I like an awful lot. It's probably my Grand National pick right now. We still have to do our Grand National show. But um, any second now has experience of entry, and um, he finished third, of course, to Manila Times. All systems go, says Ted Walsh, and um, this was a, a good preparation for him, but I kind of felt, I don't know how you felt about this, but I, I thought Escara 10 was a little bit unlucky in that he traveled like the best horse in the race, and Jordan was just forced into making the running. Um, after the third last, but I'd be pretty confident that Gordon Elliott was happy with that. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think um, a mile from home, they were all happy um, with uh, with how the race was panning out. Uh, but um, yeah, you'd have um, you'd have no qualms if you wanted either any second or Sky attempt for the national. Um, they both shaped really well. Um, showed their well being. Obviously, no, no, hand, no uh, penalties for the Grand National, um, so you don't have to worry about what the weights will, what the weights will do. Um, any second now, giving giving eight pounds away to uh, Scaria Ten here, I thought it was a very likable performance um, from the winner. Um, he's got a lot more weight in the Grand National um, than he had, well, at higher rating than he had last time. He's got eleven stone two as it stands, but those those um, uh, those weights will go up. Um, and yeah, I'd be very, I'd be very happy with with um, how he shaped in the race. His carrier ten's got ten stone nine, um, so very similar weights 
to they were to those they were at um, here. Um, the winners are essentially a, a pound better off uh, for winning the, the tightest of, of photo finishes. The nose in at the line, but really, um, I think uh, Miscaria Ten was in front of Stride before the line and probably just after the line as well. It's very much on the nod. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mark Walsh gave any second line a lovely ride. Um, very you know confidence boosting. But you got the same thing from Ascaria Ten, as you said. He, he was sort of forced into um, into um, you know making the running when the when the sprint began up the straight, and that wouldn't have been absolutely ideal for him. Give give any second night something to aim at. Um, but the pair of them the pair of them shaped well. Burrow Saint was disappointing um, in that he travelled really well through the race, but he he carried his head awkwardly. He didn't look particularly keen, um, and although he's kept on better than Coco Beach. Um, to hold third, he just looked—he looked ungainly and unhappy. Um, that would not have been an encouraging run. Looking forward to the national, I know—I know they've got time between now and then um, to get him right, and they wouldn't have—you know—Willie Mullins would have been happy with third going into this race, but not that kind of third. No, you know, I thought he's—as I said—he's gone through it. He's jumped well enough. It's um, not wasn't brilliant. He made one or two errors, but you were perfectly happy until until you know um, the home straight and then the um, the, the head carriage and the. Uh, um, the weakening away to be beaten 40 odd lengths was, was massively disappointing. Um, Coco Beach had a pretty stiff task, giving eight pounds to uh, Escaria Ten and Burroughs Seals, but he was a little bit disappointing. But I, I thought, um, you know, if I'd been with Burroughs Seals for the national, I'd have been very happy with things. Um, you know, coming up to this race and for half of this race, and then I'd have been tearing my docket up for the second half. Yeah. He's still only 25s, you know. Uh, well, the market doesn't change enough. No one like no one likes uh, not. So, um, and of course, you know, there wasn't necessarily an awful lot to learn. You know, you could easily have had all four of these having a bit of an easy and just having a having a um, a canter round and then a bit of a sprint up the straight, and you would have learned an awful lot, and they all would have been happy with it. Um, and I kind of thought that's how it was going to pan out for a long way. Um, so it was it was a surprise to see the the. the they forced them split up the way they did mm. um, into into two races at the end. But yeah, people will trust Willie to get Burrow Saint back on board. Um, but I wouldn't be. I wouldn't fancy it after that. I wouldn't fancy it, and I wouldn't fancy he's his number one either. Uh, any second now is now ten to one, and favours with Kaluki for the Grand National. Ascaria ten, fourteens with Kaluki. I'll take the fourteens. Thanks very much, Kaluki. Thank you very very much. Um, there's nothing in it at the finish. Sure, it's 14's the field, isn't it? 14's the field and national. Should be. Should be. Especially these days. These days, when you, when you literally can't rule a single horse out. No. Um, it's, a, it's a tough old race. So don't, be, don't be following yourself to take short odds in the national at this stage. No. After Cheltenham, we'll do our Grand National Special. Not until after Cheltenham, but we will do it then. Yourself and, <laughs> um, and Matt. And uh, hey, we cracked it last year. So we'll go again. Um, who was your highlight of the weekend? Uh, my highlight of the weekend, naughty. Uh, always catch me cold with one of those, don't you? Uh, listen, Christian Williams. Christian Williams getting the um, getting the double. Um, so you know, it's, it's difficult to say. Um, Difficult to put forward the, the big Kempton winner given I was on the second. Um, but yeah, the, Christian, Christian getting the exact uh, in the Coral Trophy yeah. um, was um, was great to see. Um, he, he's um, He's got a good setup there, Christian. He works very hard and 
Um, it's good to see him doing well. Very much so. And he's genuinely a nice person as well. And yeah. um, he will have will have a huge amount of chances at, um, at Cheltenham. But He's got five. He's not, too, he's not too bothered about Cheltenham. I don't think he is really. I don't think he is, but um, he'll look. He had, he had um, he's got horses for the Kimure, and he's got a five-star getaway for the Ultima. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he can he can pull something out of the fire. Um, for me, just for the sheer training genius of it alone, and the fact that the horse is so game. Uh, to win his his fifth consecutive start over hurdles and remain unbeaten, night salute. And I can see him finishing third, but I don't see him winning it. It'd be a great story if he did. If, if I'm chinned, if I back Tom and night salute comes and chins me in the triumph, I'll kick myself. But I'll also go well done because it'd be. I just... think we'd all be pretty. We'd all be pretty happy. Oh yeah, fantastic for Milton. I mean, what a what a great story that would be. Um, but uh, I I I love the horse, and um, he just he needs to find a little bit more, I think, for the triumph itself. But we'll we'll see we'll see how it pans out. Uh, that's it. That is it. So what are we doing for the week? Um, Monday, as I said, the well in moat with um, with the team for uh, Cheltenham Preview Night. Uh, we should be doing... Oh, we can now. Yes, that's right. Scarlet Witch is not running. Uh, we were heading to Musselburgh, and then we we're going to have a five-hour drive <laughs> from Scotland uh, to Donald McCain's yard, which is going to be... I spy with my little eye, something beginning with, oh my goodness, uh, that would have been long. So instead, we're flying over on Wednesday and uh, meeting up with Donald McCain on Thursday morning. So we'll bring you that podcast as soon as we can. Uh, looking forward to doing that. Uh, Darren and myself are flying over, so it should be a bit of fun. And um, it does mean that we're delayed in terms of doing the, the weekend preview. But you'll get that Friday with Rory and I. And Paul Ferguson and I are doing our Novice Chasers for Cheltenham with Weatherby's um, Tuesday. Uh, which I can now inform Paul that we're doing it on the uh, regular date. And uh, I'm on TalkSport 2 on Wednesday, uh, looking back on the big stories from the weekend, looking back and talking about Cheltenham as well, and uh, previewing the, the day's racing too. So, yeah. There you go. Busy all week. Um, Rory, of course, is uh, writing for The Sporting Life and doing some stellar work there. And uh, his outstanding column in the Irish Field is just... Look, the Irish Field has some incredible content across the equine sector, whether you're looking for bloodstock or you're looking for uh, sectional analysis. But Rory's article is, is the highlight. And there's the Irish Daily Star as well. Uh, so make sure you're checking out all of Rory's content too. Um, until Friday, my man. Chat to you then. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all the kind words on social media as well. If you like this, uh, five-star rating on whatever podcast app it is that you happen to be listening to us on is much appreciated. And make sure you click that follow button as well. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. 
God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook, the market-leading messenger betting service, providing best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing, plus with the option of instant withdrawals. Visit kalukisportsbook.com to sign up now.